Hi, I'm Hattie and welcome to Hattie Talks. Today, I will be talking about the Hatpin Panic. In the early 1900s, there was a major shift in women's role in society, which affected the dating norms of the time. Women were now able to go out and work outside the home, meaning that they could spend their hard-earned money in cafes or restaurants, where they would meet potential dates. This meant that dating was no longer conducted under the watchful eyes of the women's parents. However, this newfound freedom came with the risk of mashers. Mashers was a slang term given to predatory men who preyed on young and single women in the early 1900s. They would harass, make unwelcome advances and comments, and assault women. One article in the New York Times argued that a man would not be a very good one otherwise, if he didn't want to bother a woman in the street. Many mashers would also dress up in their finest attire to portray themselves as respectable and trustworthy gentlemen. Hatpins came into fashion as women's hats grew in size going into the 20th century. Elaborate and elegant hats adorned with jewels became a status symbol and hatpins were needed to keep one's hair and hat in place. Hatpins were on average 8 inches long, but some measured up to a foot in length. They were most commonly made of silver, but could also be made from brass, glass or porcelain. High-end hatpins were adorned with decorations of pearls, gold, ivory, enamel and coral. The hatpin panic, also known as the hatpin peril, was the panic that took place due to women using their hatpins as defensive weapons against mashers. The hatpin panic took place all over Europe and Australia, but was most prolific and well-known in America. Many powerful voices expressed support for the use of hatpins to keep women safe. The New York Tribune even published an instructional article on how to use hatpins to keep oneself safe. It was reprinted in multiple newspapers. The article used the sentence, There are times in every woman's life when a suspicious-looking character arrives on the scene and a voice whispers to the woman, Beware of him. Whilst most women would shrink from pulling out a revolver, it is an innocent act to put the hand to the hat and draw out one of her stiletto-like hatpins. Even some judges supported the use of hatpins in self-defence. In 1902, a case was brought before Justice Robertson concerning a young woman from St. Louis who had stabbed a man with a hatpin. He ruled in favour of the young woman and said in court, I think you were justified in using the hatpin on him. If you had stabbed him a few more times, I believe you would have done right. In 1913, a law was introduced in Omaha, Nebraska, which meant that men would be fined for every name they called a lady without her consent. $10 for Honey Bunch, $15 for Turtle Dove, $20 for Baby Doll, and $25 for Little Cutie. This marked a big step forward for the growing feminism wave. Even the president commented on the hatpin panic. On September 30th, 1900, President Theodore Roosevelt remarked that he loved the exhibition of strenuous life by women who use their pins, saying that no man, however courageous he may be, likes to face a resolute woman with a hatpin in her hand. However, many strongly opposed it. Despite hatpins being used in self-defence, lawmakers and city officials became intent on making them illegal. This was the first time that men had faced a reality where women were able to protect themselves. Therefore, many were strongly against the use of hatpins. There were two main arguments posed by them. Firstly, that hatpins posed a danger to innocent men. This switched the focus completely, and rather than focusing on the safety risks faced by women by just walking in the streets, it focused on the threat that hatpins posed to men and children. The safety of women was barely talked about, despite it being the root of the problem. The second argument was that women were provoking this attention from men in the first place, and therefore only had to dress modestly to avoid the attention. The Chicago Vice Commission even went as far as to reason that women should not show their ankles or wear makeup if they didn't want to attract attention from men. Sadly, this attitude is not uncommon in the modern day either. 
This year, the Malaysian government advised women to groom as usual, put on makeup and dress neatly for the workday. However, the same advice was not extended to men. This shows that despite the huge advances made for equality since the early 1900s, there were still many improvements to be made. In 1910, the Chicago City Council banned hatpins over nine inches. Other cities like Baltimore, Pittsburgh and New Orleans, among others, soon followed suit. These new restricting rules led to protests all over the country, which soon attracted suffragists and other liberal women to form the first wave of feminism in the US. One of the most famous cases from the hatpin panic was that of Leoti Blaker, a young woman from Kansas who was staying in New York. She was travelling on a stagecoach on the 28th of May 1903 when she received unwanted attention from a man. The bus jostled and he put his arm around her waist. This was the last straw for Ms Baker and she took out her hatpin and stabbed him in the arm. The man proceeded to scream and run off at the next stop. In an interview she gave later with New York World, Blaker said, If New York women will tolerate mashing, Kansas girls will not. By 1909, the hatpin was considered an international threat, with cases appearing all over the Western world. However, reports of hatpin injuries weren't found in Australian newspapers until 1911, but bylaws were soon introduced in Sydney, restricting the length of hatpins. The beginning of World War I saw the focus shift from regulating women and their accessories to the war effort, contributing to the end of the hatpin panic. The war also meant a shortage of metal, meaning that there was no longer enough metal to spare to make hatpins. Additionally, by the end of the 1920s, smaller hats were now in fashion, meaning that the use of hatpins fell dramatically, thus bringing the hatpin panic to an official end. In the 1920s, a Cockney musical-type song was written, called Never Go Walking Without Your Hatpin. It was re-recorded in the 50s or 60s by Elsa Lancaster. It included key lines such as Never go walking without your hatpin. The law won't let you carry more than that. For if you go walking without your hatpin, you may lose your head as well as your hat. And never go walking without your hatpin, not even to some very classy joints. For when a fellow sees you've got a hatpin, he's very much more apt to get the point. Thank you for listening to Hattie Talks. I hope you enjoyed it and found it informative. This podcast will have a new episode published every Sunday, so keep an eye out. (laughs) 